Good morning. It is a joy to be here with you this morning. Please, if you have a copy of the scriptures, whether that's electronic or, or uh, paper, uh, we'll be using it a bit today, as we should. But uh, we'll begin, we'll, we'll end in Revelation, but I'd like to have you turn to Philippians chapter 3 to begin with. The title of the sermon this morning is what the whole world is waiting for. What the whole world is waiting for. And when I say whole world this morning, I mean every part of the world. Creation. The trees. The grass. The animals. And humanity. We're going to begin to read in in Philippians 3 at verse 17. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Now look very carefully at this passage. So what Paul is saying here, he's saying there are a group of people uh, who, who have the wrong emphasis. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. They have their minds set on earthly things. So then he says, and note this, but our citizenship is in heaven. Okay, Our citizenship is in heaven. What is citizenship? And by the way, this is in the present tense in Greek, in Greek so it means it is happening right now. It is happening and ongoing. It's not something we look forward to the future when we go to heaven. It is happening as Paul is writing to these people. Their citizenship is in heaven. And I, I, I was struck by that because uh, if, you don't, if you know anything about Philippi, uh, Philippi is a Roman colony. Okay, And in Philippi, uh, they, 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 it was settled by the emperor... And he had settled his veterans there. Uh, so the, uh, the, they had conquered the area of Philippi. And so he told his, vet, his army not to come home, many of his army, but to stay there as citizens of Rome and extend the Roman world into Philippi. Now, he, had, he probably had two reasons for this. He wanted to extend influence, the Roman influence, into Philippi, but he also didn't want a hardened group of veterans coming home and settling back in Rome where they would fight and begin to backbite and do all those things. So he said, so you guys stay there, extend Rome there. And so the people, at that, at the first readers of what Paul is writing, understand a great deal about citizenship because there's a, the, the, the group of people who have citizenship run the city. They are in charge of the city. And so Paul is saying, 
those people have their mind on earthly things, but our citizenship, which is a huge sense of identity, is in heaven. So what does it mean for you and I today in Charm, Ohio, in 2022, to have our citizenship in heaven? I, I've been thinking about that. Now, when I was a, a, my first ideas of heaven were probably uh, wrong. I thought it was a place we all go, that, that good people go to after they die. And maybe, um, maybe this is not completely, I mean, look at the, what this passage says. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, from where? From, what is the it here? From it, from our citizenship, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So that word power there, by the energy, it is actually literally in Greek, energia, the energy that enables him to subject everything to himself. So in his power, he provides energy for us to be transformed. So where is where are the citizens of heaven today? They're on earth. So is it right to say, uh, by the way, people in Philippi would have not imagined not calling themselves Romans. They would have not, that, I mean, that was their mark. And so when, when we think about this, I, 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 how does this apply to Re- Revelation 21 22? It does. Because I think that we have often been guilty of saying, when we get to heaven, when... Uh, when, when, when this happens. And, and yes, there will be a final culmination, but, but God never intended us to think like that. So for the early Christians, early Christians did not believe in the myth of progress, that the world is getting better and better. They didn't believe that. And neither did they believe that it is getting worse and we have to try to escape it. They didn't believe that either. They're not escapists. And so when I was a little, when I, I think my theology was really shaped by the idea of that someday we'll get to escape this, this corrupt earth, this broken world that we live in. And, and maybe that's not how God wants us to think. Maybe that's not how God wants us to think. Maybe he wants us to think like we're citizens of heaven and as citizens of heaven we get to bring a part of that world to this earth in a marvelous way that, that transforms people's lives. That is what the early church thought about heaven. They didn't know, will we all go there someday when Jesus... They didn't, they didn't actually argue about those kinds of things. What they talked about is how to bring heaven to earth. Now turn to Revelation. The last two chapters. And, and don't forget this. Well, Revelation is the unveiling... I'll I'll wait till you find it. Revelation is the unveiling, the uncovering, by its very word. It is the uncovering of what is happening. Don't make the mistake of of trying to figure out, uh, the, the, the only thing that hasn't happened yet in Revelation is the very end. The other parts are happening as we speak. Uh, let, me, let me explain that. 
Oh, one other thing about the early church. They believed that God was doing for the entire world, including the grass, the trees, creation, and humanity. They believed that, that God was doing for the entire world what he had done for Jesus at Easter. What did he do for Jesus at Easter? He gave him a new body. He, he resurrected from the dead. And, and God is intent on bringing redemption to the world. Not just to humanity, but to the world. In, Re- in Romans 8, uh, Romans, yeah, I think 8, it says, For the entire world, cosmos, creation, groans with anticipation for the redemption, for the coming together of the wholeness, for the return to the garden world, to the return to Eden. And, and so, I, I, here's how I want you to think about Revelation as we read this. Read the, the, these wonderful visions in Revelation. By the way, I love the book of Revelation. It is powerful, but these wonderful visions in chapter 4, the vision of, of the Lamb on the throne, in, in the seven seals in chapter 6, the 144,000 with the seal on their forehead in, in chapter 7, um, the scroll, the angel with the scroll, the woman and the dragon, the beasts, uh, the plagues, the great prostitute, all these things in, in, in Revelation Read them. This is the vision of the present reality. This is what is happening in the world that you and I cannot see, in the spiritual world. It is happening today. Jesus is on his throne. The four and twenty elders are casting their crowns before him. The beast is fighting. The, the, the false prophets are prophesying their false prophecies all over the world in small ways. Has all of it happened yet completely? No, but it has happened, and it is happening. And, and so the early readers of Revelation would have said, yes, yes, this is happening. We're in the middle of this. We get to be part of this story. We get to be part of, of this wonderful kind of uh, battle of good and evil. When we read scriptures, and particularly Revelation, don't let the wonderful visions lull us into imagining that they're kind of some... Somewhere in the future, these final scenes. They're not. They're happening right now. Jesus is on his throne. And be, by the very fact that Jesus is on his throne means there's an enemy, and the enemy is fighting. And so, uh, I, I've been rereading um, J.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, because the reading is better. There's, there's this wonderful imagery in that. And he had this vision that that is happening today. And for those of you who have seen the movie, uh, there, there's this, the ring of power. And the ring of power burns people's hands. And it, it makes them do strange things. And that is so true. And Jesus is calling us to lay down the power because he is the one that has power. And he will then energize us to fight the battle. And, and are these dragons and monsters that Revelation describes for real? Yes, ha- it's ha- but it's happening right now. It's not happening someday in the future. It's happening right now. And, and in Revelation 21, 22, then we get a glimpse into the final scene. And so we are somewhere between Acts 2 and Revelation 21 right now. We're a part of this story. And even today, there are dragons fighting with the, the angels of good somewhere in the world. And we get to be a part of that. That's the only way Revelation makes sense. Let us read together. I'm going to read... Um, I'll read from the Immerse um, because, simply because of the language. I want you just to hear this. I'm going to begin reading in chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth 
For the old heaven and old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautiful dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. Oh, wait. Where else did we hear that? It is finished. Who else says that in the Scriptures? Jesus on the cross. It is finished. He says it again here. It is finished. And that is a good translation of that, or it is completed. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers, and all liars, their fate is the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who held seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, New Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. He goes on and describes the city, and I'll pick it up in about verse... uh, Make sure that you can follow along. I'll pick it up in verse 22. I saw no, no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practice shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be written on their foreheads, And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, Everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of the prophecy written in this book. I encourage you to read the rest of Revelation on your own. I'd like to just look at a couple things here. So when, when we think about this, this is what is coming. 
but it's already in some ways coming uh, again. By the way, this is not heaven. This is the new heavens and the new earth. We are going to live someday on the new earth with bodies that are completely complete, with our gifts being used to the fullest extent to extend the kingdom of God into all the world. We're going to be creative, energized, full of life and giving. And we're going to be living together in that reality in the new heavens and the new earth with our King, Jesus, as our head. That's what this is telling us. And so because we're citizens of that already, we're already citizens of that, we are called to bring those same kinds of things into our world today. There are three things I want us to look at. By the way, I just can't help but think about this. Well, we often think about, and, and this suddenly makes sense of something that happened to several people I know as they came to the end of their life. And particularly, uh, one, it happened to my father, but it also happened to someone else I know with a very similar kind of uh, vision. Several days before my father died, he wanted to talk to my mother and I. And he, we talked Pennsylvania Dutch nearly all of the time that we were together. But in this case, he spoke English. And he repeated everything twice. And he, he said, I was in a ruined city. The buildings were all fallen down. And I was walking through this ruined city. And he said it twice. And then he said, and I saw a gate. I saw a door. And then the door opened. And I saw into that place. I said, Dad, what did you see? He said, oh, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. But oh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And he repeated everything twice. And I said, Dad, we hear you. You don't have to say it twice. Talking was work for him. And he said, but I saw it twice. His heart had stopped two times in the week before he had died where they thought they lost him. And both times, and he recognized it, both times he saw the present world for what it is, a broken down world, a place of graves and darkness. And then he saw the new heaven and the new earth. And he saw into that. And the only thing he said about what he saw, he said two things. It is too wonderful for to tell you. I said, but dad, could you, could you was it recognizable? And he said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he recognized the, the grass, the trees, and he saw new creation, the new heavens and the new earth coming down. And someday you and I will get to see the same thing. But, and, and, and when I think about this, and then he kept talking about, he talked English. And I said, I, we had a picture of his home farm where he grew up, and he was, I said, you mean, he, he'd point to that, and he said, nee, hemge. I want to go home. I want to go to heaven. And I was always worried about my father that he, when he hated tight places and spiders and he got really the heebie-jeebies really quickly about stuff. But in that place, he laid there and, and the doctors would come in and he finally told them, he said, he told me, you take the doctors out, I'm going to go home. And so I'd meet with the doctors outside the room because he didn't want to hear about it anymore because he was ready to go. And so in, in that place, in that space, he saw into what John saw. 
And, but he also understood something very clearly that, that he, he had been living in that space today. You and I are living with the reality of heaven on earth. And someday we're going to go to a place that is recognizable as home for all of us. The place that we are going is home. The place we're going for is where our hearts yearn to be known, fully known, and fully developed. You and I are going to be so gifted and so able to do what God has called us to on new heaven and new earth that we are going to be in our prime and we're going to do it without guile or sin. I get to teach in this place. I get to teach. My students will never fall asleep. They'll listen. I get to read. I get to write. And I'll be in my fullest, my richest, and I have no imagine. It's not imaginary. It's because that, that God created us to be a part of the citizenship of heaven. And he created all of humanity. And, and the small pieces that we bring today are what we will be bringing to our fullest at that place. But what we're called to do today is bring it to the earth today. We're called to bring heaven to earth in our, our place. The other thing I want us to know, so there, there's this place we're going uh, by the way, there's no sea there. Sea divides l- from land from land. So a sea is a place of division, and there's no division there. There's also no shadow there. Because, there's no, because the light is all overwhelming, so there's no shadow. It's, it's so beautiful. But notice it also says there, there's going to be people there. People from all nations, all ethnic groups. And the leaves of the tree of life. By the way, there are two trees of life in this place. One on each side of the river. And the river is the goodness and love of God flowing out. And there's a tree of life on each side and there's healing there. By the way, uh, don't let your theology develop from songs. We often, uh, growing up, I often sang the song, No Tears in Heaven. And uh, there'll be tears in heaven. But God will wipe them away. Notice what God will wipe away. Oh, I lost it there. Um, <clears throat> think about the, 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 um, the picture of God. We bringing our shame, our pain, our sorrow, and all those things. Uh, we, we bring, yeah, think about this. We bring our shame, our pain, and our sorrows, and we sit there in this wonderful place, this place of wholeness, this place of completeness, and we're overwhelmed, and we begin to cry. Because we recognize how little we did for the kingdom of heaven on earth or whatever. Or how much pain we suffered for, for on earth. And, and, and God is there and he will take us on his lap and wipe away our tears. Think about that picture. Think about God wiping away the tears and then they will be gone forever. Do you know that Jesus died not only for your sins, he also died for your shame. And we are a shame-ridden people. We have so much shame. It's why we can't be honest with each other a lot of the time because we have all this shame because if people would really see us for who we are, they won't like us. And someday we will be fully known and we'll experience that sense of shame and God will come and say, I died for that. Let me wipe those tears away. Child, you're mine. I love you. It's such a beautiful picture. But ultimately... What the new heavens and the new earth is about is the presence of Jesus. We will be in his presence. Think about this. 
Jesus, in a small way, lives inside of all of us today who are believers through the Spirit. But someday we'll sit in His presence. And in that presence, we will have peace. No shame. We'll be able to love. You know, I don't love very well. I'm realizing this. I was reading 1 Corinthians, the love chapter. I just don't love very well. But even there, it brings us the hope that someday we will love as we have been loved. And so I keep growing in my love. I keep growing in my deliverance from shame. I keep confessing my sins because my call is to bring, and our call as a church is to bring, as citizens of heaven, is to bring the presence of Jesus to the earth that will someday be redeemed completely. To bring the presence of Jesus to this broken place, the broken down cities that we live in. The death around us, we bring life to it as citizens of heaven. So Revelation ends with this picture of where we're going to eventually be and the process about how we get there. So Revelation is happening. It's happening right now. There's great wars going on right now. I know a situation, I had a WhatsApp from a brother this morning who is in a terrifically hard situation today, right now. And there is a great cosmic battle going on for his soul right now. The dragons of the evil one are coming against the good somewhere in the cosmic spheres. And prayer, love, care, and forgiveness, and those kinds of things defeat the power of the evil one and, and, and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse that situation. It is happening today in our world. And so he looks forward, as with us, to move out of those broken spaces into a place of complete wholeness. And we groan together with all of creation, awaiting the deliverance as Jesus energizes our souls for life here on earth. Let's stand together. Heaven is not some place that we are going to go to in the future. We are going to go to the new earth where Jesus reigns in completeness. Heaven is what we are bringing to the earth today. You get a chance to live in heaven today. Small slices of it. Granted, there is a lot of brokenness around us. It means we are part of the story. And the resurrection stories in the gospel aren't about going to heaven when you die. They're about living on earth with the reality of Jesus' love inside of us. Let us do that together as we go forward. Lord Jesus, with Easter, you long